anyone I could chase <laughs> and keep up with enough was a great way for me to keep improving. That's a professional skier, someone who probably every single one of us would have a lot of trouble chasing. But there's more to this. That chasing, that surrounding yourself with greater talent, can be beneficial beyond the slopes. Some have said, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Who are the mountain meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice with your host, Ben Shank. Hello, everyone. Before we get things started, just a quick note. If you haven't already signed up for audible.com, you probably should. They're smart, and they know if you listen to podcasts, you probably listen to audiobooks. So they pay me every single time I get a person to sign up for their service. If you like Mountain Meister, help support it. The link's right on our website, or go to audibletrial.com slash meister. And thanks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Mountain Meister. Hello, my name is Ben. You know me, the host. Today, we welcome Hadley Hammer. Hadley, hi. Hi, Ben. Congratulations on being named a Mountain Meister. Welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) So we've talked about this topic that I'm about to bring up before, and I'm curious what your perspective is on it. Uh, We've talked about how your name can have an impact on who you eventually become. Hadley, your last name is Hammer. Do you think Hammer has been a self-fulfilling last name given the way that you ski? Um, <laughs> I think in one way it definitely has been that started to ski a little bit more aggressively. So I guess it gets there. I would say that I'm a terrible carpenter. So uh, okay. maybe right. I'm not fully <laughs> living up to it. But Past couple of guests we've had on the show... Let's see if you can guess what one of them or both of them do. Okay. One person is Howie Sanborn. What what does that evoke? Uh, Some sort of surfer, beach life person. (laughs) Military. Military. Howie Sanborn. I don't know. It just sounds military-like to me. I can see that. All right. Here's another one. Faith Dickey. Her name is Faith. What do you think she does? Studies religion. <laughs> I like that answer. Very close. She is a, a professional slackliner. Oh, and, nice. And she yes. sometimes, <laughs> she free solo slack, slack lines without, without the harness. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> so Faith, yeah, that makes sense, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your brother's name is Max Hammer, which sets the bar even higher for him. Max Hammer. Yeah. It's, uh, what's interesting is... A sneaky bit of knowledge is his first name was actually Alexander growing up, but his best friend was also Alexander as well, and so they decided that can't happen. And so he took his middle name, which was Maximilian. Interesting. And so now he's been Maximilian or Max Hammer ever since. Yeah, and that has been self, self-fulfilling self too. He is yes. also a professional skier. And I was, I was going to say, like, how, how do you not do something radical 
when your name is Max Hammer. Yeah, yeah, you kind of have to. But he's a, su- such a quiet guy. So it's oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. So his expression of his name definitely comes through his scheme. I was gonna say that. Like, there's no way, and th- this is, like, the first thing that came to my mind. So he has to do something radical. He's not going to be, like, a dentist or something like yeah. that. <laughs> but then I realized my childhood dentist's name, wait for it, was Dr. Thornblade. Oh, wow. Can you believe yeah. that? Wrong. He's doing the wrong job. <laughs> I know, I, but, but he's been very successful. I don't Like, I don't know how you could be a successful dentist with your last name as <laughs> Thornblade. Yeah, it sounds intimidating. <laughs> So anyway, you grew up with Max Hammer, a professional skier, and you are a member of the Freeride World Tour, so you obviously are a very good skier as well. Did you guys push each other during your childhood? Uh, We did, and I um, actually have an older brother as well, so Mm. I was completely surrounded by boys being boys growing up, (laughs) so they did a lot of like even just every day in our childhood was running around and they were skiing off of our roof, which my parents didn't love, but, (laughs) or in the summer, you know, we'd climb trees and try to slingshot each other off of them. So it was definitely an an aggressive (laughs) boyish childhood that I had. A bunch of hammers. Do you remember a time like in your childhood, like specifically when you guys were just working off of each other, pushing each other to become a better skier? I do, and what what actually the memory that stands out the most, we weren't skiing, but we were on the Oregon coast um, just taking a road trip with my mom, and uh, we all wanted to learn how to skimboard. And what was interesting was Max, I'm not, I don't believe that there's anything as a natural athlete, but the way that Max looks at things and things click for him very quickly, and I think he's so intuitive and the things that he does he just has so much thought going into it and so he would picked up the skimboard and right away was like riding into the ocean and like crushing on things and doing 360s and then my older brother it didn't come as naturally for him but I don't think he came in till like my mom forced him to like it was super dark and she was worried and so between that like having Max's sort of ability to pick up things really fast because he's so smart about how he approaches things and then having my older brother to look to who is so dedicated to that will just like kind of grind it out till he feels happy I think having the combination of both those things has been an awesome way for me to approach skiing because I think I fall also more towards my brother where things don't come right away Mm. and then being able to like ask Max a question about my skiing and he kind of explains it in this totally new way. I force him to do drills with me every year <laughs> and like <laughs> free coaching. Um, and so he sh- sort of explains things in a wildly different way. And then I think of my older brother and like, okay, I'm just going to grind this out until it feels right. That's excellent. I, I used this quote before, like you're the average of the five people with whom you spend the most time. That's a quote by this guy named Jim. Rohn. Oh, wow. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, I really like that. So you have two of the five as brothers, it seems like. Yeah, so I think so. That's useful. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, like we talk about on this show how valuable it is to step outside of your comfort zone. And I think that surrounding yourself with greater talent is actually kind of outside of your comfort zone. Yes. Um, do you, I mean, Freeride World Tour, I'd imagine that those people are uh, maybe greater talent. Yeah, Um, I kind of assumed since the beginning that everyone's pretty much a better skier than I am. And so there's a lot of women in Jackson that are 
incredibly fast, just ripping hard charging skiers. Mm -hmm. And so just chasing them around the mountain, sort of I found anyone I could chase (laughs) and keep up with enough was a great way for me to keep improving. Yeah, exactly. But you weren't always skiing. You went to the basically the greatest school on the face of this <laughs> earth, which is the yeah. University of New Hampshire. <laughs> yes. For the listeners, if you don't know, I am a UNH alum as well. Hadley and I did not attend UNH at the same time, though, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But you graduated with hospitality, a hospitality degree, right? Yeah, hospitality and economics, and then I minored in religious studies and English just to mm-hmm. keep it interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was an economics minor as well. Nice. Um, and the UNH Hospitality is a great program, if the listeners don't know. it's uh, I believe it's very highly ranked. And after school, you pick up what seems to be a great job in the hotel business in Washington, D.C. Everything you could have possibly wanted. Life is good, right? Yeah, life on paper looked really awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. But but what wasn't on paper? Um, I think I just realized I think it's one really important that I left the town of Jackson cuz I think you can definitely stay here and it's such a wonderful place to live and it kind of ruins you for reality everywhere <laughs> else. But it was great to go one to school back east cuz it's wildly different and I had no idea how wildly different it was. And then to live in a city, I think, gave me an appreciation of how much living in a mountain town syncs more with my personality and my sort of life goals. Um, So living in D.C. was it was really interesting and it was interesting to learn a lot about. I was working for the Four Seasons and then I worked for a company that certifies um, people in wine and alcohol. Hmm. Um, And it was so fascinating, but just the like daily grind that you get yourself into like wake up have coffee get on the subway or a bus go to work have a lunch break go back to sitting all day go to the gym where like our gym was so popular you had to wait in line for a treadmill which was just like what (laughs) like i have to stand here for 30 minutes to wait to like run on this piece of machinery was Uh crazy to me i didn't have any like fun thing that I was doing on the side. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it is hard to find. So I was in the corporate world for a little bit and I'm not knocking the corporate world at all. I think there are definitely benefits uh, to doing that sort of thing and, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. But yeah, it it is difficult to find the time to do that other thing. But if you can, then I think it it works. You know, like there are people Mm -hmm. who... Uh, I'm sure like Seattle and Denver where things are very accessible, right? Yeah. You can have that other thing. My other thing while I lasted in the corporate world was squash. I I belonged to a (laughs) squash club. That's awesome. It was amazing. I looked forward to it every day after work. Yeah. I played with people three to four times my age. Nice. (laughs) Well, I think that touches on like the – I'm a bit of a nerd and have been reading a lot about happiness studies lately. Uh-huh. And I feel like what all of them say is the happiest people have like a great sense of community around them. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be key to living in a city is like finding that squash club or something that gave you like a community outside of just your work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And having people that like you can talk to and hang out with and look forward to, which is why I think Jackson is so great for me because there's, tons of friends that are all doing the same thing we're all sort of working and the ski 
professional ski community is so close as well that you have all these people that you just connect with instantly. And you're also, it seems to me like you're involved in another community with this food, hospitality, wine. I saw that you're a sommelier, like a, a uh, real sommelier. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Yeah, it was, took a lot of work. <laughs> Not a master sommelier though, right? No, God, okay. no. I still have my life. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners who who aren't aware of the prestige of a master sommelier, I looked at it up. There are, I believe, 120 master sommeliers in North America, 200-ish uh, or 240-ish, somewhere in there, in the world. There's an, yeah. there's an amazing documentary on Netflix called Som. Have you seen that, Hadley? I have, and it's like spot on. It's spot on. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you would know. I have some uh, friends here that are working up because there's four levels uh-huh. um, and they're working. I believe he's working on his third and it's just why, I mean, it's so much information and it's not just wine. You have to know like alcohol mm-hmm. and beer and cigars and it's pretty crazy how much knowledge you're just cramming into your brain. Did you take the course called wine tasting at UNH? I did. And then I was the, um, the teacher's assistant for it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you're an expert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, wine tasting at UNH, Meister fans. This is like, you know, you go into your senior year. You're, you know, you turn 21, you're 22, and you look at the the choices for your for your classes for the upcoming semester, and you see wine tasting on the course list. And you're like, sign me up. Sign yeah. me up for that. <laughs> But what people don't realize is that, at least when I went to UNH, wine tasting required, like, a lot of work. People had a ton of homework for wine tasting. Mm -hmm. Well, people think it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go, like, drink wine during class. This will be awesome. But, again, like, for my first wine test, I took off work for, like, five months and study at the library every day. Yeah. And so, like... And the class at UNH was not that much easier. <laughs> so people are like, yeah, I'm going to take wine. And then they just get totally crushed. And yeah. it's usually like everyone's failing grade. It's pretty funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. And although they, you do drink a lot of wine at this course. I had a roommate yeah. who took it. And he would come back not sober from wine tasting sometimes. Yep. I think there, there were special rules for the people who were driving to class. Um, yeah. but that was typical UNH fashion. <laughs> oh yeah. And the professor that taught it when I was there, um, this guy, Udo Schlentrick, who is like my favorite professor ever. I still email him every once in a while. He is like full Euro. he showed me his like favorite European drinking games when I was his TA. <laughs> and then we'd go into class and like, he's fine with everyone really testing it out yeah. and seeing how it is. But usually a lot of times you end up spitting it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the proper way to do it. <laughs> the proper way. <laughs> right, right. Let's get on to something dealing uh, with your skiing because that's what we have you on here today to discuss. You're in the Freeride World Tour now. We've had a couple of other Freeride World Tour athletes with us, including Jackie Peso. You know Jackie? Oh, nice. Yep. Yep. And we've talked a little bit about it, but I want to talk some more. When did you get involved in Freeride World Tour and – how how do you get into big mountain free skiing? 
Yeah, um, I raced a little bit, probably like, I think it was only two years as a child, and then I did Nordic skiing, which some people say I shouldn't say, and then I uh, did the first, like, free ride team that came about in Jackson, which was like Park and Pipe, and this was before there was really big mountain competitions for kids, which there are now, there's a ton, which is awesome, and then went to college, ended up kind of skiing at UNH and ice climbing and regular climbing and kind of focusing more on that and then went to DC and didn't do anything and then came back to Jackson and um, my younger brother Max was still racing for the US ski team and he was training for this gym called Ma- this gym called Mountain Athlete and he was kind of like Hadley I think you'd like it just as a balance because I was working at a hotel like super long hours he's like this could be an awesome way for you to sort of work out um, so I started working out at Mountain Athlete, which is like an incredibly intense place and kind of a topic of its own. But people that were working out there were um, Griffin Post and Crystal Wright and Madinettes and Jess McMillan, who all compete on the Freeride World Tour for skiing and snowboarding. Hmm. And they were kind of like, Crystal was like, I think you'd really like it. Why don't you just sign up for one? And so I signed up for one. And that was kind of the start of it. Talk about that being outside of your comfort zone, right? It seems like yeah. it at least. <laughs> it totally was. I mean, the first year was like so eye-opening. I had no idea what I was doing, like tactic-wise. Uh-huh. And I don't think my skiing was near where it needed to be for like the lines that I thought I could choose in my head. Even my dad was like, what are you doing? <sighs> um, and so it definitely took a full – I broke my back actually the first year. And then oh, the wow. second year was a disaster in terms of results, but it was starting to pick up. And I think my skiing technique, I took some lessons from um, one of my parents' friends and like working more on like forward boot pressure and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the following year was when it all sort of clicked together. Interesting. Uh, let's go back to that time when you did your first competition. So they had recommended this to you. And yeah. you know how sometimes people <laughs> recommend something and the recipient of that recommendation, you in this case, would say something like, oh, yeah, great idea. Like, I'd love to do that sometimes. And then you just never take action, right? Yep. <laughs> was that the case with you? Um, I think I was so burnt out from the hospitality world, which is super common. Mm-hmm. Um, you're working like 90-hour weeks and you're pretty much – just getting complaints. I mean, if they have exceptional service, you'll probably hear about it. But if they have just like great standard service, you won't hear about it. Mm -hmm. But of course, if anything's slightly off, you're going to get screamed at. (laughs) Um, And I think I was so burned out that that idea that this could be like a little bit of a release from that was just like, I'm going to take this and run with it. Yeah, it's been fun. (laughs) Good. But I read on your website, uh, I believe that's where it was that Contrary to many skiers, you don't have you don't really dream about being a pro skier. Uh, your dreams are more starting a restaurant, doing something in the hospitality industry. I mean, I think in the the end, that's what I want to go back to. And I think I note that because it's so helpful for me to have an end result after skiing. And what I see a lot in the ski world is people are like, I'm going to be a professional skier. And obviously that has a very short timeline on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have people like Chris Davenport that have figured out a way to do it a little bit longer. Um, But on average, you know, people are coming into this and say, like, your career is, it's just like a football player, like maybe seven or 10 years. Like, Mm -hmm. that's going to put me in my, like, late 30s being like, okay, like, what do I do now? 
And so I think having that goal makes me knowing that like I have a pretty good resume to fall back on and a dream to own my own restaurant means that in skiing, like I can give it everything I've got because I have this like fallback plan. Mm -hmm. I'm there to catch myself when I'm done or if I get super injured. And I think I just like having that sort of balance to the skiing because I think it scares me to go like all in with nothing there to fix if for some reason like all your sponsors drop you or you get super hurt and can't ski anymore or it just comes time where like I want a family or I'm too old to like huck a 40 60 foot cliff (laughs) (laughs) which I'm guessing will happen at some point but you do you look awesome (laughs) let's go to this imposter syndrome which we talked a little bit about before the show yeah When you started, you really weren't confident with your skiing or just weren't having the results that you wanted. Now you have the results. Like you're you're winning, you're placing very highly. Do you feel like you're one of the best skiers out there? No. (laughs) Um, I don't, but it's really – maybe I just do that to make sure that I'm always motivating. I think still to this day, Ingrid Backstrom is the best skier, and especially when you like – break down her technical skiing it's unreal how good she is and I think people overlook it a lot of times mostly because when you watch her ski it is so smooth and calm and like beautiful looking Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think I'm the best but I think I've got a lot of like heart put into it what needs to happen in order for you to feel like you're the best is that possible uh, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever be like, yeah, I'm the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't think I can imagine myself saying it. But I'm definitely still working a lot on the technical side. Like, I think my line choice, I've always felt pretty comfortable with, which is huge for competing, because you're picking out your own line. Mm-hmm. Um, and your run is sort of based off of that. Yeah. But still working on like little tactics of like ways to slow yourself down and steep like really steep snow that doesn't look like you're just stopping but like controlling your speed and little things like that so I think I have a long ways to go especially when I ski around with Max I'm like oh geez (laughs) that kid is just a like a ninja on the snow he's so balanced and we'll like we'll be skiing along and then he'll just like fly over like a giant fence and you're like how'd you even elevate yourself up there (laughs) For the listeners, we'll have a video of Max and Hadley skiing on Hadley's Meister profile page. Oh, nice. Um, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. A beautiful Meister profile page. We have a a brand new (laughs) website, Hadley. Um, So we talked about earlier in the interview how it's important to surround yourself with that greater talent, yet you do need to be confident in your skills. Otherwise, you kind of lose all hope. Uh-huh. Um, how to, and like the the point when somebody gets to like oh I'm the best in the world, I think that's when you become most vulnerable, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. They say that a two nothing lead in soccer is like the worst lead to have because yeah. that's when you first start to let up. Totally. Yeah. So how do you balance the the two of those, making sure that you have enough confidence versus not having enough? Totally. I think being really honest with yourself is super key, especially as a mountain-based athlete. Um, I just finished a really intensive, like, snow safety course um, this week. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was, like, I was with literally some of the best athletes in skiing, in my mind, and we're all doing all these safety things. And a lot of times they remind you, like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Like, the mountain 
is there and it's going to do its thing and you need to respect that. And I think in competing and everything that I'm doing in the mountains, like having that real honest conversation with myself, I can honestly say this is what I need to work at. But then when I'm like competing and I've picked out a line that I know is in my comfort zone, mm-hmm. I can be like, I know I got this. And I have to say that to myself Yeah, yeah. at the top when I do my little like pre-comp routine, like it's all about full confidence. What is I your think, pre-comp routine? Oh, it's super long, but a lot of like music is involved and then visualization and sort of not visualization of just the next run, but I actually do visualize like past comps that I've done well in oh, and okay. kind of getting that spirit back in me of like oh this is how it felt and then listening to like really aggressive rock music which i hate you, you don't <laughs> listen to podcasts me, i don't listen to no. podcasts no <laughs> maybe i should try well i used to like do super like mellow meditation stuff and uh-huh. i found that i was actually like too calm and like uh, like not super stoked and uh-huh. i find that with these competitions you definitely i need like a little bit of fire okay me. yeah and yeah. that's like my perfect Sort of not too amped up, but just like pretty amped up, I would say. I, I could recommend some Mountain Meister episodes for your, your pre-run. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> the music thing, when I write the newsletter for, it's called Keeping Up with the Meisters. I have a newsletter affiliated with this podcast. Um, and you can sign up for it, Hadley, if you'd like. Yeah, um, love to. <laughs> when I write, I write this little blurb at the beginning of the newsletter. When I write that, I put on what's called concentration music. Uh-huh. It's a, it's a, I believe a two hour and twenty minute uh, YouTube clip of what's called concentration music. It's the one that looks like it, it's like a porcelain face with stuff coming out of the brain. Uh, <laughs> I'll actually, I'll put that on your Meister profile page as well, Hadley. Awesome. Okay, so when you need to concentrate, Meister fans, or you, Hadley, and just like really get into the zone, this is what I use at least, and it works nice. well. Awesome. <laughs> music is wild it's crazy it's yeah it's pretty neat um i'm more of a podcast guy myself but if i need to be concentrating on something else then yeah music's the way to go i agree nice all right (laughs) also on your meister profile page hadley is your gear recommendation and we get one of these from every single meister that we have on the show if i remember to ask them so (laughs) give our listeners one or two things that they absolutely have to have um, well, obviously I can't ski without skis. Oh, so really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess you could try. But um, I would say I ski for line skis and I love them because they're like a big little company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just four guys in an office. Really? Um, but they actually now I could be wrong. But the last time I talked to them, they quoted something like they sell more skis than Solomon does. But wow. you, every time you like go on the website or talk to them, it still feels like very small. And they make the best women's skis I've ever skied on. And they don't look like a deodorant stick, which I appreciate. <laughs> like they don't have flowers. They have really cool, like all, a lot of it's like modern art based um, graphics, which is nice. Mm-hmm. They're nice to look at. And they just, they ski really well. And I would say like the line Pandora women's ski is awesome. Great. Highly recommended. Very good. The Line Pandora on Hadley's Meister profile page, going right along with the music theme that we have going. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) and also potentially kind of a Pandora's box porcelain head spilling out uh, different things like the YouTube video. So, yes. (laughs) Very great recommendation, Hadley. Something that is going to become consistent on all Mountain Meister episodes, courtesy of Casey Green. 
uh, from a previous episode. He said, I would love to see this part of the show, and I absolutely loved it. So, Hadley, I want you to recommend somebody else to be the next Mountain Meister. Ideally, it's somebody who you think is awesome or inspires you. Who should be the next Mountain Meister? Okay, I ran through the list, and I hope she's not already on this. <laughs> okay, yeah, we've had a lot. But I could have missed it because there's so many. Um, would be Rachel Burks. Have her. No! Yep. Darn it. And you have to listen to her episode. Oh, uh, she's like become one of my favorite people i would you know what i will let rachel come on the show again because she was that entertaining okay i have another okay you have another okay um if you accept canadians oh absolutely um would be leah evans leah evans tell us about leah uh leah is um a ripping skier from canada she own um has started her own sort of women's it's called girls do ski up in canada Mm -hmm. and it is a women's program to get girls skiing, as the name says. Um, And Leah's just, like, such an amazing skier. She'll, like, enter into a comp and usually win, but doesn't put too much pressure on it. Great rider, traveler, and just, like, a wonderful human being. I love wonderful human beings. Yeah. Such (laughs) such as you, Hadley. Thank you for joining us on Mountain Meister today. Thank you. For the listeners, check out full highlights on Hadley's beautiful Meister profile page on our website, mtnmeister.com. Hadley, are you going skiing today? I am. Great. Enjoy yourself. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Hadley Hammer, pro skier on the Freeride World Tour. Check out Hadley's Meister profile page for some really unique highlights from today's episode, including the Netflix documentary Psalm, my favorite concentration music from YouTube. Maybe I'll even throw on a link to Hadley and my alma mater, UNH. Don't forget to sign up for a free audiobook from Audible while you're there. And as usual, enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast or any other ones. I'm Ben Shank, and you've been listening to Mountain Meister. <laughs>